right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. You don't got time that. Right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Our show was originally canceled for today. They just decided we weren't going to do it, but then they rescheduled it. And that is what's happening to Kansas basketball. We got a new opponent. I don't know who, who that new. Be, uh, yeah, I don't or, know who our opponents I don't know are. What the equivalent of that would be, because we don't have like somebody. Is there another sports radio and <laughs> show in Lawrence? No, there's not. I mean, be our, like the equivalent, somebody would have to come in here into this room and just be like yelling at us the whole game. Yeah, yeah, the they'd, whole be, show. they'd be playing defense against us. Yeah. Uh, but Nevada is the opponent on Wednesday night. KU was supposed to play Harvard, and now it will be Nevada, which actually sort of works out for KU because Nevada is better. Assuming they win. Than Harvard. Yeah, of course. Um, Nevada is 77th on Ken Palm. Harvard is uh, past the 150 mark. Even Colorado is 79th, and Nevada is ahead of them. Um, as far as the game itself, um, we'll get more into just previewing it tomorrow, but Nevada's a pretty interesting team. They are very large. They uh, start two seven-footers, which is unusual in today's college basketball. They had this one guy, A.J. Brahma, who was putting up like ridiculous numbers. He was a uh, transfer from Robert Morris and like I said, was was having a really good statistic season, but I, I don't know if he was maybe a locker room issue for the team or something, but he basically, I don't know if he left or got dismissed or suspended, whatever it was. They started the season one and four. He gets booted. They've won their last five games. Now, all the teams they've played, none of them are really that good, and all of the top 100 teams they played, all the top 90 teams they played, they've lost to, but that Seem to have been figuring things out of lately. Grant Sherfield is a fantastic player for them. Um, he's just like rattling off games where he has 25 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists. Like, uh, this dude's a stud. So it'll be an interesting game. It'll be one that actually challenges KU, I think, a little bit. And I think more importantly, you just get back into playing games. We are seeing games canceled at such an alarming rate right now. Just seeing them play a game is a huge step forward. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be honest. I... I... I'm still, and, and I'm not basing this on reports or anything. This is just speculation on my own part. Um, but I, I do, I, I, I'm at a point now where with anything, and maybe I'm just, it's just snake bitten because of how the thing at Colorado went down, which I don't blame anybody for. Like, I'm not mad at anybody. It just went down the way it went down. Um, but I am at the point where I'm like, I'm not going to believe it till the tip off mm-hmm. happens. I mean, I, That's I'm, fair. I'm still. You know, I I think you know if I had to guess, it's better fit than fifty fifty that they're going to play. But I still am at a point where I mean, would either of us be stunned if we're sitting here tomorrow going, well, no, as it turns out, there is no game. No, that actually would not be that surprising. So yes, uh, to that point, I guess you kind of just hold your breath and go. And and there's two different you know ways of viewing that. There's the way of viewing it as um, just hold your breath until it happens, or just act like everything's fine, and then if it does happen, we'll wait and see. But I'm, I guess either way, 
It'll happen if it happens, and if it happens, we'll have it for you right here on KLWN with pregame. It's supposed to be at 5.30 and tip off at 7 o'clock tomorrow. Can we, I don't know, look, I know not everybody's agreeing with, with the new decisions and the new direction the NFL's going with all this, but at least they're going a direction. Mm-hmm. And I understand it's a little bit different because the NFL is one entity where you have 30 different conferences, but can Mark Emmert step up and do something except for piss and moan about <laughs> athletes getting paid? No, he is he is physically not possible. He is a if he was like a programmed robot, this would just like not compute. He, he like not part of the program. He shows no leadership except for opening his mouth every time somebody says, "Hey, maybe these players should unionize," yeah. and like, he shuts that down. Yeah, but I mean, when it comes to actually needing to lead through real crises, nothing. And I look, I don't fall. I'm fine that the NCAA. Um, didn't have the time. I mean, I'm I'm upset about the situation, but I'm not mad at the NCAA that they canceled the tournament in 2020. It was such short notice. I don't think they had another option, so that's fine. Um, you know, they they did everything they could to have the tournament last year, except we all saw how badly they screwed up the women's facilities against the men's facilities. And you know, so it, it's like make you know come forward with something. Yeah, ha- have some. You know, it's better to have, you know, even if it's not the perfect direction, it's every. It's better to have everybody on the same page going the same direction, even if it's not the most perfect direction, than to just have 30 conferences guessing for themselves. Yes, and that is obviously a huge problem in, in college sports. And you see the crisis of that happening right now because this is a time when you need leadership, when you need people to step up and, and have, I guess, guidelines and, and things pushed forward to where you need to go, and you just don't have any of that leadership right now, and it is unfortunate. It'd be like if the captain of the Titanic, they hit a glacier, and, you know, one of the crew members runs up and he, hey, we're leaking. The boat's sinking. And he's like, "Well, if any of the crewmen, he's like, yeah, but did you see that seagull over there? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, but the crewmen are asking for a raise. I can't deal with this <laughs> yeah, other exactly. stuff right now. It's just so ridiculous. So what they gained in Nevada, which again, like you said, I guess just wait and see if it happens. Um, but you lose, assu- assuming they do play, yeah, you lose on Saturday with the TCU game. That game got popped. TCU has some issues. Now, it did get postponed. Is that still correct? Yes, it is postponed. So, because it's a Big 12 game, they're going to try to reschedule it. And if you remember last year, they had a uh, three-game week at one point. They played, I think it was, it was was the week after they became unranked for the first time in a long time, in like 12 years or whatever it was. Bam, bam, bam. And they played Oklahoma State on a either Monday or Tuesday. I think it was a Monday. Uh, They played Iowa State on a Thursday, and then they played Iowa State again on a Saturday. They played three games in one week. I'd imagine that's what you're going to have to do um they didn't really like last year you had a built-in plan from the conferences where a lot of them started conference play a week or two early and that allowed them an extra week or two in between where they could essentially um play any postponed games and it ended up KU didn't have any they they were pretty fortunate through the regular season not fortunate in the postseason and they yeah they added UTEP because they had that extra week in between there so it kind of worked out from that standpoint, um, but this year they didn't add that in. They didn't really have the foresight to think that because they just figured that, oh, we're getting vaccinated, everything's fine. Everything's not fine, and now they're going to have to smush everything together. I would imagine there are going to be a couple weeks here where every team has to play maybe three games. I wonder, since we just talked about this, all seems to be more up to the conferences than than the NCAA as a whole. Um, I do wonder... um, 
And look, as far as Mark Emmert goes, he's just the face of the NCAA. The NCAA is actually the member institutions. However, it is part of Mark Emmert's job to come forward with policies. And if he is and every school shooting them down, then that's a different story. But it seems like he's not even coming forward with potential policies for schools to say yes or no on. Mm -hmm. But anyway, back to this. I wonder what more and more conferences will do if, knock on wood, if, if it continues that this Omicron variant isn't as lethal and isn't as bad um, as the original variant and as the, um, and as the Delta variant, if that trend continues and we've seen the NFL is getting a little more lenient. Now, look, let's be honest, part of it's because of the money. They want to get all their games in. Um, but, the, you know, the, it is backed by at least some evidence um, out of South Africa and out of now the United Kingdom that the the Omicron variant isn't it, it is more contagious mm -hmm. but the it's it's very mild compared to what we've seen before and if the overall goal is to avoid getting very sick and avoid filling up hospitals mm -hmm. it seems to be beneficial to that end yeah and if that trend continues and if more evidence rolls in that that's the case I wonder if conferences will back off some of these restrictions. Well, and Bill Self kind of talked about this today. We're going to play his audio for you coming up in the show. And he also talked about the idea that, you know, I, I think after the storm gets weathered in January, you might kind of be okay because even if you have five, six guys who test positive right now and you're having to delay it a week or two and you're, you're missing games, then by the time that's done, those guys aren't going to test positive again this season. I mean, we always talked, oh, my gosh, look at Baylor. Look at their wretched situation mm -hmm. that they were in. And then would you rather be Baylor from last year or KU from last right. year? It hit who, who had at the worst time. It hit KU at mm -hmm. tournament time. Yeah. It's like the Chiefs. Like, Travis Kelsey got activated today. Yeah. Tyreek Hill had it. Like, now you don't have to and worry I, and about I think it in the playoffs. the NFL is after, after you've tested positive – once you come back from that positive test, they don't test you anymore for, I think, 90 days. So, like, you're good and to I, go. And I don't know what the college basketball rules right. are, but that's just, you know, the NFL rules, for example. But, yeah, the point is, is would you rather have to, you know, deal with this, assuming nobody gets overly sick, assuming it's mild symptoms and the only drawback is missing mm -hmm. a couple games, would you rather that happen, you know, oh, now or like it happened with KU yeah, last year. of course. And and you can't go full out. Like, I, I don't want to be the guy who's going to sit here and say, well, they should just get COVID now and just hurt immunity. No, no, you don't. Like, no, because don't, you don't know no. how everybody's going to yeah, react. You don't, you you don't, don't know where it's going to spread. You don't know the, the repercussions. The so you most don't want ideal it. is you never get it, period. Yeah, you don't, you don't want it to happen. But, like, again, if it does happen now, as long as everybody's okay, that's obviously better than the alternative. There's kind of a gray area there. So the result, TCU game gone. Um, Oklahoma State is having some COVID issues as well. That would be KU's next game, but um, I think that one should be okay when when that was traced back to that they should be able to play that one. Um, so KU is is it seems like looking for a replacement game. I know CJ Moore reported that last night. Bill Self in the presser today said that they were looking to get a another non-conference game. Which if we're just following the timeline of this Nevada game, um, it took till. Yesterday after the show, which was basically about 48 hours before the game. So maybe we can expect something similar Thursday after the show. And then we don't have a show Friday to even talk about it. Um, Self even said that their first plan was Stephen F. Austin. Yeah. Um, he said on Rock Talk I don't know Sports. Or uh, not Rock Talk Sports Talk. On, um, on Hawk, Hawk Talk, Talk last yeah. night. But um, and they had it ready to mm -hmm. go, but then they Stephen F. Austin dealt with a negative or a positive. Test. And so I don't know if they would be ready to go by Saturday. But uh, Matt Tate, who we're going to have on the show in in about twenty five minutes from right now, is reporting that, or not reporting. He just 
I guess speculating, speculating would be the way that the tweet is written, um, that it could be uh, Tulsa as the team, which that's the team that KU scrimmaged in the uh, secret scrimmage. So does the winner of that game, if they do play Tulsa, since it was a secret scrimmage, we don't get the results. Are we allowed to, in the press conference, talk about the game? And furthermore— How this compare to the scrimmage? Yes, exactly, so we yeah. can get more details. And furthermore, should you get two wins? Uh, that's a good question. No on that mm. one, but I feel like, yes, that should absolutely be a legitimate question, like especially for players. Like, mm-hmm. let's say— uh, you know, let's say they do play Tulsa this Saturday, and let's say Brown and Ochai continue their run, and we counted a lot of great plays yes, from Brown did. in that little minute and a half or three minute video that they released from that secret scrimmage. And so, if one of us is in that presser on Saturday, which I don't think will be the case, but if somebody's in that presser and they have Christian and Ochai as the two players on the dais because they had good games, would they be able to to say, well, I mean? You know, I learned that this guy does this on defense, or when I'm defending him, he goes this direction. I learned from the scrimmage. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Are they allowed to? I don't know. We're going to find out. Um, How much do you think KU trying to get as uh, the, these non-con games in when they can now has to do with trying to catch Kentucky in the total wins? Because they are close. I think they're three behind. Right now, yeah, I, I'm. It's look. It's got to be on their mind because right now, KU, I, I rank personally. I rank KU third all time among top blue blood uh, institutions. I rate Kentucky number one, North Carolina number two, Kansas number three. Um, but right now, the KU is obviously lagging in the NCAA championship department in the in the tournament titles. They only have three of those. They're lagging against Kentucky and North Carolina in that uh, in that regard, and other schools in that mm-hmm. regard. Um, right now, the biggest thing that the feather they have in their cap over everybody else over everybody else is the conference title streak. If they can get to the point where they're the winningest college basketball program ever, that would be another big feather in their cap. I'm sure they're eyeing it. Well, I know they're eyeing it because David uh, Lawrence talks about it on the on the Crimson and Blue show. But like, do you but think it say, makes it more of a emphasize nature of them being like, well, man, we really got to get these games no, made up, I, especially I, with the Kentucky game this year where think about how... That could be big. Right? I, I mean, think, you can no, make t-shirts for that game. I think Self wants... I'm sure it's on Self's mind because he's he's described himself, not just himself, but anybody who holds the job he holds as the care, not just the coach, but the caretaker of KU basketball. Yeah. And I'm sure he knows it, but no, I, I would guess that even if that... Everything else being equal, I just think he wants to get 30-something games in. I think they want to maximize their schedule and the amount of times that their team can play. I think that's that's the biggest, biggest, biggest priority, and I think it's such a huge priority that any, anything involving the race against Kentucky is way, way low compared to that. Yeah, I think it's more of a detail than it is a factor. Like I, I don't think that's in discussion, but it could be something where it's like, Man, and also we'd have a better chance to catch them if we do this. I, I think more so than anything, the pressure of trying to get these games. I mean, first of all, you haven't played in a while and you want to play a little bit more and, and get in, in a game feel before you head into Big 12 yeah, play and conference to, play. Yeah. Um, but also, I think seeing all these cancellations and, and all these games that are getting postponed and everything, it almost gives you a sense of urgency to say, like, it's almost like you know at any moment you could be a bear that's going to go hibernating into the winter because you you don't know 
when a possible cancellation could happen, and you want to store up as much food, you want to store up as many games as you possibly can. You want to get as many done, as many in the bank as you can, because you don't know when your team's going to be out. You don't know how many games you're going to be playing at this point. You want to get as much on the resume so that you can make the NCAA tournament, that you can be eligible, so that you can be as high of a seed as possible, that you can have all these things. I think that's probably the most important thing in, in the sense of urgency here. So KU taking on Nevada tomorrow on Wednesday night, and then uh, TBD for the game on Saturday. We're going to let you listen in to some audio from Bill Self coming up on the other side. Matt Tate joins us in 20 minutes. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Adam Rivetta. I'm Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN, depending on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. And we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. With Adam Dravetta, I am Derek Johnson. We'll be joined at 440 by Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports. And uh, we've got a lot of other stuff to get to today. Um, more Bill Self audio, some college football talk. we got to update our bracket on the best of 2021 KU Athletics uh, update. We released a bracket at RCST 1320. The first round of voting is done. We're going to start the second round of voting coming up here shortly with our football, uh, basketball, miscellaneous, other sports, and we're going to whittle that thing down, and you guys are going to come up with your favorite moment of the KU Athletics season. We're joined now, though, by Matt Tate of the Lawrence Journal World and KUSports.com. Um, so, Matt, what is, I guess, your favorite story or game or event or, I don't know, player, personal interest story? Uh, what is the favorite thing that you got to write about this year? Oh, man, that's a good way to put it. Um, boy, that's a good way to put it. I, I tell you what, so far, to be honest with you, I, I mean, I know 2021 is almost over, but the, the Remy Martin stuff has been really fascinating. I mean, going all the way back to when he committed in May, um, through the anticipation of seeing him at late night, through his first couple of games, you know, all the way into the current status of the season. I mean, not like... Adding Remy Martin to a team that's already pretty good has been has been a big big story in my mind, and also a lot of fun to cover. So, um, you know, I'm going to do a top ten KU sports stories of the of the year in our uh, Friday paper, and uh, you know we do the same thing every year. But I'll be honest with you, I did look at your bracket very closely to make sure that I. Uh, didn't leave anything out or forget anything. So, um, but, but yeah, I mean, I think when you put it that way, I think Remy's on the list, uh, certainly very high for me. Um, I, I'm a volleyball fan and I think that volleyball team is awesome. And I think their run was fun. So, um, even though I didn't cover it day in and day out, like I do hoops, that was really fun too. I wish I had been able to go to some of those tournament matches and stuff like that. It too, but but that's way up there for me as well. I mean, that's a that's a great run and a, and a really good young team, and and I, I think there's more good days ahead for for that program and Ray Bouchard and his staff. So you know, that's way up there for me, and and um, you know, not all of mine, not all of my list is, is moments or players or whatever. I mean, there's there's a couple of entries that are kind of like 
you know, the uh, just the COVID craziness of 2021. It was a, it, it was there when the year started, and it's uh, obviously still very much here when the year ends, and it's impacting the schedule and impacting the teams and and everything. You know, so there's a lot to there's a lot to factor in that 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 was you know a very obvious big big story in 2021, and then of course the NIL stuff and the transfer portal stuff and how those both blew up this year. Um, just, just massive, massive stories in the in the overall grand scheme of college athletics, you know. So that that that's a little uh, tease at my list. Uh, of course, Jared Casey was was just fantastic stuff. Uh, I mean, that's you know, if that doesn't win your bracket, I'll be shocked. But, mm. but um, yeah, okay, wait, but, wait. Do you have the bracket pulled up, or or off the top of your head, could you give us what you think your final four would be? I don't have it pulled up, mm-hmm. um, but um, but I might. Let me let me see if I can do it quickly, um, because that's I don't care what region that's in. That's obviously going to be one of them. Um, well, that would be the uh, KU football one, and then there's a KU basketball one, a miscellaneous one. So, like for instance, you know, uh, the Applebee's commercial or the power outage, Jeff Long being fired, I think is going to do well. Uh, Travis Goff, yeah, right, getting hired, and then there's the, uh, the like the Olympic sports and the other sports. They, so there, there you go. I mean, the the uh, Jeff Long demise is also in the final four for me. Mm-hmm. Um, no question about that. Uh, <laughs> let's see what else. I've got it now. Um, so I've got the football bracket, and I've got the, the Jeff Long was miscellaneous. Is that right? Yes, that is correct. Okay, so here we go. I got it right here. Um, so you have Jerry so Casey in- versus Jeff Long in one final four, and then you have the other side of the bracket. Okay, yeah. So, so um, Bill Self lifetime contract is also. I mean, that's the number one seed, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Y- yeah, so that's going to be tough to beat as well. Um, I, you know, I mean, as good as Ochai's doing, and, and as fun as that is, and it, and as cool as beating Baylor was, you know, at the end of last season and, and all of that stuff. I mean, it's just it's just really hard to not imagine that that locking up a Hall of Famer like Bill Self for life. Is going to uh, is not going to do well. Although the renewal of the KUMU rivalry, the border war, I mean that that's that's got a chance. I mean it was it was so uh, you know the, the outcome wasn't in doubt ever, and nobody really questioned whether it would go that way or whatever. But it still was pretty cool to see the Tiger Gold there in Allen Fieldhouse and KU, you know, doing everything they could to to, to destroy those guys, um, especially Christian Brown. So. <laughs> Um, but I'll go with Self and his contract over that. I'll go with Jeff Long's demise, the Jared Casey thing. And what am I missing now? What else do I need? You just have the miscellaneous, but uh, you said the volleyball, so I'm guessing the, the volleyball making to the Sweet 16, beating Creighton, that would be your, your pick there. Yeah, yeah, there you go. That's right. Um, yeah, because uh, what else is down there? The uh, women's 9-1 and start, the yeah. Olympics, the soccer, not, not, a, not a lot of power there. Um you know, so so yeah. I, I, there's my final four: KU volleyball, Jeff Long demise, maybe even a slash Les Miles demise. I'd, I'd slash mm-hmm. that one if, if it were me. Um, Bill Self's lifetime contract and Jared Casey becoming the most popular person on the planet. That's a that's a big one. Okay, that. Uh... But it's a good bracket, and it's a fun thing to do every year. And people love looking back, and 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 I I appreciate your bracket because. It added some things that uh, that I, I I saw that I didn't forget anything, but um, I have definitely forgotten things in the past. And when I do, I usually hear about it. You might imagine. So um, 
I do. I do try to protect myself against that and and infuriating our readers on the first day of a new year. That's just mm. not the way I want to do business uh, ever, really. But especially on the first day of a new year, that doesn't sound like anything that that anybody wants to do or start off with. So I try not to. Believe it or not, I do try not to. So um, I appreciate your assistance there. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, so you mentioned the COVID stuff being a big part of 2021 and it almost felt like we were going to leave it behind (laughs) and then we get to December and all these bowl games are getting canceled and all these college basketball games are getting canceled. Um, KU has seen the brunt of it. The Colorado game gets canceled. Harvard game gets canceled. TCU game gets rescheduled. Now they're rescheduling all these games. I I know you asked some of the the players this, like if they're worried at all uh, today at media availability about the season continuing on. How worried are you? that the college basketball season is going to finish up fine and that we will get an NCAA tournament on time. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be fine. I'm with them. I mean, Ochai said that today, not worried at all. Uh, Mitch Lightfoot didn't seem worried about it. I, I don't think Bill Self's worried about it. I mean, obviously you have to be aware of it and you have to be concerned to some degree. But I think the fact that – that um that, that people are vaccinated gives some people, or at least a lot of people are vaccinated, obviously not all, but, but everybody at KU and, and most athletes, I think, in the Big 12 and, and maybe even throughout college athletics. Um, that, that helps. There's a, there's a, that's a major factor in this thing. And, and, um, and, and Self was talking on his Hawk Talk show last night about the, uh, the idea that this could just be another rough three or four weeks of some cancellations and postponements and figuring things out and just trying to trying to get through it. But I, I had somebody describe this to me the other day as, as maybe COVID's last push. And and I don't know that COVID will ever go away. I, I think people have read enough and understand enough about what it is and, and how it may just be a part of our, our, our lives forever, much the way the flu is, you know. Um, but the idea of it becoming less and less severe, less and less contagious, less and less dangerous, et cetera, et cetera, does seem like that that hopefully anyway is in the cards and and very realistic and so if that's the case if if we've just got to get through one more surge or wave or whatever and maybe we don't maybe what's ahead sucks and i don't even want to talk about it and you don't either and, (laughs) and we'll find out as we go but but i i thought that was interesting to put it in in that sense because it does seem so much more rampant right now. I saw a great tweet, and I don't know if it was Adam Schefter or somebody in the NFL who covers the NFL, but they said from the from the first game and maybe even from the first day of training camp through the Super Bowl last year, there were 267 or 296 or somewhere in that range positive tests in the entire NFL. And this year, in December alone, there have been 400 positive tests in the NFL. So it's, it, you know, that shows you how rampant it is. And, and obviously you can see that if you just look at the numbers and you look, you look at college basketball, whatever your metric is to kind of show that or decide that it, it's there, you'll find it. It's very, very contagious. And it's very, very much a, a real factor in, in everybody's reality right now. Right. But the fact that a lot of people are kind of just making it through with mild symptoms and then you move 
you move on, right? I mean, I mean, I think that's what the players are largely banking on when they say they're not worried. I think they understand that this may be something that that affects their team or hits them for a week or whatever it is, and then they move on. And and I so I think that if that's really what's happening here, if this is another three or four weeks of just kind of chaos and and everybody kind of gets it, and you know, self said that in Colorado after after that game got canceled. I mean, he you know, without being too bold or whatever, he predicted everybody's going to get this. And so if he's right, and if that's what ends up happening, maybe everybody gets it in the next three or four weeks and you move on. And and uh, as long as you're vaccinated and you have your booster shot and all that, you're probably going to be fine. And then February, March, those things look a little more manageable because, hey, okay, everybody made it through this, everybody's dealt with it, and now we're back to business. So I, I do think there's some there's some comfort in that. I think it's I think it's realistic. I think it's possible that that's the way this plays out. Obviously, no one knows, but but I do get the sense that that's that's kind of where it might be headed. And and obviously, I hope so, man. I think I don't think there's a person alive that wouldn't kind of give up a a few weeks in January to just kind of deal with whatever comes your way for the promise of everything from there on out maybe being a little smoother. I think people would make that trade in a second. And, and, uh, and if that's what this comes to, then, then we'll find out. But, um, but, but I, yeah, I do think there's, there's too much money at stake and, and the risk while great um, because of the contagious factor and all that stuff, you know, if these kids are doing the right thing and the smart thing and taking care of themselves and being vaccinated and all that, you know, the risk isn't that great for their for their overall, you know, severe health, right? Like, they, they don't have to worry as much about, is this thing going to put me in the hospital or kill me? If you can get there, then the rest becomes a little easier to stomach. So I, I do think there's going to be a, a season. I, I do think there's going to be... Um, I think they're going to play the majority of their Big 12 schedule. I wouldn't be surprised if it's 15, 16 games instead of 18. I think some might fall fall by the wayside and, and be victims of the of just time, right? I mean, there's only so many games you can pack into a to a two week or I'm sorry, a two month or eight or nine week schedule, you know. So um, that, that, that's probably going to be a thing. But but at the same time, I, I do think that there there's so much at stake there's so much money on the line and people saw what happened last time they had to shut it down and it didn't go well it was not a positive thing obviously for anyone um i don't think anybody wants to relive that so i think they'll power through i think they'll find a way i mean a a perfect example of this derek and you you lived it yourself i mean spent most of sunday night and almost all day yesterday writing about the Harvard cancellation and the Nevada reschedule and the TCU postponement and blah, 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 right? So that's that's like, you know, 36 hours or 30 hours of, of my life and my work and all that. And yet at the same time, I was I was uh, on the receiving end of an email that said, come on up to Allen Fieldhouse and uh, and, and preview the, uh, <laughs> the Nevada game with an in-person press conference. So I'm glad in-person's always better than not. Zoom sucks. But how weird was that vibe, man? You got all this chaos, all these cancellations, and then yet KU still open arms, opening the doors, saying, "Come on up." I mean, it. it I, I think I think it's great. I'm glad they didn't panic and freak out, and you know, wore my mask, stayed away from people. That was that, just as you did, you know. So, um, it, it just it's just kind of a crazy time. Obviously, the whole the whole last eighteen to two eighteen months to two years has been that. You could classify it as such, but. 
But this seems even even a little bit crazier because of, I think, what you said, where people maybe thought we were about to leave it behind, and then, oh, here it is, just running wild again. But um, but but I do think they'll continue to play. I think we'll be able to continue to cover it, and uh, and, and sign me up for that, man. I, I mean, people need this stuff, and and you know, there's KU people in in play that need it for the financial gain and all that, and the, to run their business and stuff like that, but. But just from a fan perspective, people people need to be distracted and entertained, and, and and that's what a lot of this does. Whether it's the games themselves or or your show or what we write or whatever, I mean that that stuff all contributes to to people, you know, being entertained and, and distracted and getting away from some of the craziness that is out there. Uh, whether it's COVID or work related or whatever it is, I mean, it could be any year. That's 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 always sort of the role that that those things have played in people's lives. So I I hope it does stay. Stay good and and everybody stays safe and healthy and and we get to plow through and um you know I'm definitely tired of writing about cancellations and postponements but I'll write about them for the next three or four weeks if that's what it takes to get us through to March. Well, Matt Tate, you can uh, always count on him not canceling here on RCST and we appreciate that, <laughs> Matt. Um, before we let you go, as tradition, one last thing with Adam. All right, Matt. That was like. That was like one question, I think. I mean, maybe two, but that even for my long-winded nature, that was that was a that was a performance right there. I apologize <laughs> if anybody fell asleep or had to pull over while they were listening. I do apologize, but here I am doing it again. So hit me, Adam. What do you got? All right, it's multiple choice, so it shouldn't take as long. One last thing. All right, lucky everyone. <laughs> couple a couple weeks ago, Derek was not at that volleyball press conference for the Sweet Sixteen. You and I were there. Why was Derek absent? Was he threatened by your good looks? Was he uh, a little self-conscious about his horrendous body odor? Or was he just lazy? Oh, okay. Uh, Derek's been around me long enough to know how good-looking I am. So that can't be it. Because if that were the case, he would have left town months <laughs> ago. In fact, in fact, on Derek's honeymoon in Hawaii, in Maui, he and his ride were so gracious enough to find a table at a restaurant that i enjoyed that they invited me for a drink and uh celebrated with them not only being in hawaii but their their uh their their marriage and their wedding and and uh you know i mean so so if he's inviting me to that table he's not threatened by my good looks at all probably I mean, true the guy the guy is very confident in himself and in and, and his place in the world on the spectrum of Brad Pitt to, uh, you know, whoever's at the bottom of that, Snuffleupagus, something like that. So that can't be the answer. Um, and C, I know Derek's not lazy. I mean, I, I've, I have often praised Derek for his uh, willingness to just grind and work his butt off, and he does a thousand different jobs. And, you know, back before this was even his show, he was he – was, doing so many things people didn't even know about just to make Nick look good and all that stuff. So I know he's not lazy. So if those are my only oh, great. options, then he smells I bad. Have, I have to say B. I don't, mm. I've never personally smelled your body odor by any means, but maybe you were having a rough day. I don't know, but, but I know I can't say A and I know I can't say C. So I think I, I, I mean, I've been left with no choice. I have to say B. Sorry. Well, um, I guess that's where we are. Thanks, Adam, for 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 that. That's Great what I'm here to, for. Yeah, end the uh, interview here. Well, Matt, thank you so much for the time as always, <laughs> and uh, appreciate you coming on as always and finishing out the the beautiful year of 2021. And look forward to more with you in uh, 2022. 
Yeah, likewise, man. I, I wish nothing but the best for you guys and everybody listening and the whole world, man. I mean, I, I you know, I think 21 was better than 20 in a lot of ways. It was still pretty rough in a lot of ways, but um, maybe some progress and some steps forward. So let's hope 22 does the same thing. And uh, let's also hope that 2022 is the year that Broncos finally figure it out again so that mm. we can actually do a little banter, like a little Chiefs-Broncos trash talk on a couple of these late-year sessions i mean you know we're we're, we're we would all be okay with that no think, I'm, right? I'm good the way it is i'm good the way it is <laughs> yeah, I, I like no, i'm, I'm happy i'm happy yeah. how things are yeah. <laughs> well, okay okay well good enough for me guys you're the best Jeez. Right. <laughs> thanks man appreciate it all right fellas happy new year everyone thanks all right that's matt tate of the lawrence journal world kusports.com and this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Adam Dravetta. I am Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Five o'clock hour. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN with Adam Dravetta. I am Derek Johnson. Um... The MVP race may be a little bit tighter after Patrick Mahomes just goes out and dominates the Steelers and does so in really three quarters of work. Meanwhile, the Packers offense kind of uh, got stuck in the mud a little bit there against the Browns and um, Buccaneers just kind of rolled. But I think they're starting to be a little bigger hive of people who are jumping aboard the maybe Patrick Mahomes ain't out of this thing yet. Now, with just two weeks left, I've mentioned before, like Aaron Rodgers' touchdown-to-interception ratio, it's it's insane, and, and I don't see him getting beat for the MVP unless, you know, something drastic happens over these past two weeks because when you have 33 passing touchdowns, the four interceptions, and you have the best record in the NFL and you are a quarterback and you also, people already know that you're really good, so... You know, you have kind of the benefit of the doubt there as well. Not that you would need it when you have those stats and everything. Um, it, it's going to be hard for you not to win the award. Uh, but I still kind of think that Patrick Mahomes is not being taken strongly enough into consideration or in these top three lists. I mean, I I know it's, it's kind of the, I, I don't want to be the cherry pick guy of like, well, this one guy said this, so I don't want to do that. But it is interesting the fact that you see all these different MVP, you know, top fives or whatever. And like I saw one yesterday that had Joe Burrow ahead of Patrick Mahomes. And um, you see a lot of people arguing for that it should be Jonathan Taylor, that it should be a, a running back because of how good he's been for a Colts team that's resurgent. And he is kind of the maybe the most important player for that team. And that um, when you look at like rush yards over expectation, he has like 500 rush yards over expectation and the next closest has like 200 like it's incredible the drop off there I just kind of I guess to to start out with the Jonathan Taylor side of things he's having a phenomenal season and if this were MLB style or, or something where you had five ten deep of of what your MVP voting was then I could get on board with that but like how far do you have to go and I get it. Every year is not the same. Every year, there's you know there's some years where you have an Adrian Peterson level running back where he runs for two thousand yards, and that's different than you know when you just have a, a really good running back who maybe rushes for fifteen hundred one year. If you said the best running back season in the NFL, which would be Jonathan Taylor this year on a team who is a run first team, 
Like, how many quarterbacks do you think you would have to go down the list of where you would say the, that quarterback has more value than Jonathan Taylor? Um, off the top of my head, let's see. I, I can think of five right Mahomes, now. Mahomes, Rodgers, Brady. Mahomes, Rodgers, Brady. I think Burrow would be on there. I don't think mm -hmm. he's as good as the three we just listed, but I would put up put him up there. Um, let's see. I think Stafford would be up there above him. I actually think Stafford should be talked about as much as Mahomes is being talked about in the MVP race. Um. I let's see. Kyler Murray's kind of fallen off. Justin Herbert's kind of fallen off, but he's still there. I just I don't know. There's just so the the value of the position of quarterback is so huge. Um, it, it I just think you can being an okay quarterback means so much more than being an outstanding running back. Um, especially when you look at the numbers that would suggest that your line has much to do has as much to do with your running game success as your running back does mm -hmm. so I think you know and look the, the line matters in protecting the quarterback too but the number was would suggest that a, a quarterback is almost as equally responsible for a sack as the line is and the numbers with the advanced numbers would also suggest that um a rushing attack is, the 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 line is just as responsible for the, the successful rushing attack as the running back is so they're so, you know, the running back is so dependent upon the line that he's rushing behind um, that I think, you know, I, I just, I don't know that I, I'm, I'm not sure exactly where I'd put Jonathan Taylor and which quarterback I'd, I'd finally put him above, but he'd be really low on my list. I mean, yeah. right, right now, I, I, he's not even sniffing my top five. See, I, I, I'd, I'd probably have him around that like four or five because I, I do think there does have to be something in there about just performance as opposed to the value. But when you have that word val most valuable player, it is hard to have him in there. And I, I don't know. I, I, I guess with, with Stafford, I might be dinging him too much because you have the Sean McVay factor. Um, and he's still like, if we were to pick the Colts best player on a team who outside of the chiefs is, is being talked about as the probably the toughest out in the AFC right now, Jonathan Taylor is the guy, but even then it's just like, again, how much is the difference between even as great as Jonathan Taylor has been, how much is the difference between Jonathan Taylor and like, I don't know, Joe Mixon, for instance, at Cincinnati, like he's better than him, but how much better, how much value is there? Um, and, and I think it's a tough discussion because like you said, there are a lot of I think advanced metrics and numbers that would tell you the running backs don't matter as much, but it's also hard not to see what the Titans have done with and without Derrick Henry. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people saw what the Titans were with Derrick Henry and you could point to like Ryan Tannehill and say, yeah, but Ryan Tannehill's also like in, in years past, um, I remember when he first started, he, I think was number one, the year he first took over and the Chiefs beat him in the AFC championship he was number one in the NFL in yards per attempt. And so the idea was, yeah, Derrick Henry's this great player, but it's also because they're so efficient passing the football. And I think what you've seen now with Derrick Henry out for the Titans is maybe there is a little bit more value there for at least that like elite, elite, elite running back, like the top one or two in the NFL for what he can provide for an offense. So I am willing to listen to that part of it, and I probably would for that reason along with how good he's been put him at fourth or fifth but I, I agree I don't think I could sniff him at the top just because the value part is not there and if you were just making a list of most valuable players in the NFL he might not be on the top 10 uh, Dak Prescott 
right? Like, like view it as like if you were starting a a a draft today. All the NFL players went yeah. into just a random pool, and every team got to draft their players. And it wasn't a long term thing; it was just a we're going to redraft at the end of next year too. So, so it's we're just a one taking, year deal. You exactly. don't have to worry about the future. We're just trying to win a Super Bowl this year. I don't know where Jonathan Taylor goes, but it's certainly not in the top 10. The top yeah, 10 might all be quarterbacks. He'd be way low. And I, I think the, I agree that uh, McVay has something that has a lot to, not just something, has a lot to do with Stafford's performance this year. But I also think if you take, you know, I, I, I think the other side of that is Carson Wentz, I would argue, has a lot to do with Jonathan Taylor's performance this year. Because if the Colts had a better quarterback, they wouldn't have to be using him as much. <laughs> That's a fair so point. So his usage rate is based on the fact that he's basically one of their only options. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that has a lot to do with it, too. I think if he were in Los Angeles, you wouldn't be looking at it going, oh, my God, look at Matt Stafford's numbers plus Jonathan Taylor's numbers. You'd be going, Jonathan Taylor isn't being as used as much mm-hmm. because he's not in a system that values the running back as much and doesn't need a running back as much. Um, I but back to the Patrick Mahomes point, you know I I just I I still think Tom Brady's ahead of him because I think he's actually ahead of him in every statistical category except maybe yards per attempt because he's had so That's where many it is. attempts. Uh, Tom Brady is ahead of Patrick Mahomes in in basically all of the passing yards, passing touchdowns, less interceptions by the total number. But he's had so many more attempts. Yes, but that you could there's so many more attempts thing you could also say goes into the interceptions by by in theory if he if he has more attempts he's he should have more interceptions and he actually has fewer than than uh, Mahomes interceptions now we all here we all know that Mahomes mm-hmm. has probably five to seven of those that can go on his receivers um I if we're talking about you know make a top three I think I I think they're I, I think Brady's probably closer to Mahomes than he is to Rodgers. And Agreed. I think Mahomes, like I think Rodgers is kind of running away with this thing. Um, but I do think that Mahomes, maybe it's because Rodgers, I'm interested in, do you think it's because of the Mahomes, you know, his start was kind of not as Mahomes-esque as we've been used to? Or do you think it's because nobody's bothering to talk about him because Rodgers is just running away with it? I think there's a little bit of both, honestly. Um, if this was a situation where, you know, Aaron Rodgers was close to the pack with the stats, because again, let me re- reiterate there. He has 33 passing touchdowns to four interceptions. What's his interception rate? Uh, it is 0. 0.8. Yeah. That's really this is good. fourth straight year leading the league in interception rate. Um, he's He's leading the NFL in air yards per attempt, too. Which air yards per attempt, um, or I'm sorry, not era, adjusted yards gained per pass attempt. Um, he has just been unbelievable. He's leading the NFL in QBR. He's leading the NFL in just regular quarterback rating, like the the old one as well. And then if I were to add in his rushing stats too, I think he has three rushing touchdowns, so he'd be at 36 total touchdowns to four interceptions. It's insane, and he's on the best team in the NFL, and you can also say not only does he have the best record in the NFL, but he wasn't there for one of the losses. So not only does his team have the best record in the NFL, his record is even better than that originally is. So I I think that is a big part of why. I also think a big part of why was the Chiefs starting three and four, and a big part of it being in, in some of those other games where even when the Chiefs got it going, 
Patrick Mahomes wasn't the talk. If you look at the Packers, the Packers have a similar game to the Chiefs game against um, the Titans. Mm-hmm. The Packers' first game, I think they lost thirty-one to three or thirty-one to six. I think it was thirty-eight to three to the Saints. Thirty-eight to three, and it was against the Saints, and it was a weird game because it was in Jacksonville. Um, I don't, I don't know if it was COVID or something wrong with the Superdome for whatever reason. The Saints played the Packers in Jacksonville um, to start the year. The Chiefs' kind of gross game was week seven. So I, I think that might have to do with it. Plus, you know, the Chiefs only have one more loss than the Packers. Um, however, one of those Packers losses, as you mentioned, came with Jordan Love, not not Aaron Rodgers. So that's relevant. Um, but I, I think, yeah, I think the story had kind of been written and uh, and about um, Mahomes. And if Rodgers hadn't been running so far away from the rest of the pack in this MVP race then I think a lot of people would be saying more about Mahomes. Wow, look at how much he's come on in the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. Whereas now, uh, it's just, it's so, I honestly, and maybe I'm not, just not paying attention to the right people, I haven't even seen that much talk about Brady in the MVP race. It's almost gotten to the point, like Mahomes in 2018, where people are like, well, yeah, but there's still Breeze, there's still Breeze, yeah, Drew Breeze is still there. And then by about week 12, everyone's like, no, it's done. It's Mahomes. And I, I, again, I may be just be listening to the wrong people. I know Brady, it's not like people aren't saying anything about Brady. But in terms of the MVP discussion, I just think Rodgers is so far ahead of everybody that nobody else is getting talked about. Like, look at, I mean, look at Matt Stafford's numbers, man. And he's not even being discussed. And that's okay because of how good Rodgers has been. But, I mean, Stafford's numbers are pretty similar to Mahomes. Well, this is what betting odds were. We talked about this last week. Last week, Rodgers and Brady were tied. They were both minus 160. So there was the evidence that, that Tom Brady was it. But this week, um, Rodgers has, has taken a commanding lead. It's minus 175. Jonathan Taylor is second at 6-1. to one. I- Tom Brady's third at plus 750. Patrick Mahomes is fourth tied with Josh Allen. Both of them are twelve to one. Then you have to go down to Cooper Cup, Dak Prescott at eighteen to one, Joe Burrow at thirty-five to one, and then Matthew Stafford at fifty to one. I wonder if I mean I know the biggest thing about setting odds when you're Vegas is trying to get even money across the board and everybody to bet about the same amount on everybody. Um, but I also wonder how much of their setting odds. I wonder if they have connections to MVP voters to say, hey, where are you leaning? So you can get get it that way. And then also I wonder if they have a list of the MVP voters and they read, maybe they're not flat asking them, hey, who who you think you're going to vote for, but they just read their columns and they read their work yeah. and, and see who they get a sense of who they might be leaning towards. Um, that actually shocks me about Jonathan Taylor. I, that stuns me, but maybe he's just getting talked about more. I just, the the talk of running backs, and, and look, I'm, I'm willing to, I'm willing to say that maybe my belief about the running back is wrong or misguided, but what I can say without unequivocally is that most NFL writers and most NFL voters think the way I'm thinking. Now that might not be that might be a very misguided way to think when voting for an MVP, but it, the reality of of if you're you know if you're guessing like if I I, I guess the better way to put that is. If you're asking me who do I think should be the MVP versus who do you think who do I think will be the MVP, I think Jonathan Taylor is much higher on my list of who should be the MVP than he would be on my list of who I think 
is going to be the MVP. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? I thought you would like it the other way, but um, no, I, yeah. I I think that I I just think that running backs are viewed as so down that I I think I would probably put him at maybe mm-hmm. sixth or seventh on on if I were if I were filling out an MVP ballot, I think he'd be maybe sixth or seventh. If I were filling out a list of who I think people will vote for MVP, he'd be lower. He'd probably be tenth. Well, it seems like he's pretty high up there but, for uh, yeah, whatever yeah, reason. I, yeah, I guess I mean that clearly shows I'm I'm way off on these things because he's second in the voting and the and Vegas isn't full of idiots so no they are not I wish they were it'd not, be nice yeah, for a not, wallet he's not second it? in the betting odds though so it, clearly people think he's he's going to be a big part of this discussion and he has a chance to further prove it as um Wentz is out this week yep all right with Adam Dravetta I'm Derek Johnson this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk Kevin Flaherty joins the show in about 20 minutes let's talk some college football on the other side Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. We're going to talk about this more in the 5 o'clock hour, but we're doing a top 2021 memories from the KU athletic season is one way to put it. And we're through the first round of voting. The second round of voting is is in the process of going up right now. Uh, You can find that at RCST 1320 and vote weigh in your opinion of what your favorite or most memorable, whatever you way you want to view it moment of the 2021 KU season. We know at least one uh, play by play man who disagrees with our seating. Yeah, that is true. And we will actually bring that up in the 5 o'clock hour because I want to bring this up because I think it's actually kind of a funny story. Um, So you'll just have to wait and see. How about that teaser? Kevin Flaherty is going to join us in about 15 minutes from right now, by the way, of 24-7 sports. Uh, college football bowl games on and going. Today for me is is really the first day that um, – things get really real with the bowl games because we've had other days where like, uh, you know, last yeah, Friday or Saturday. Or games, yeah. yeah, but today it's like games all day. And unfortunately, exactly. the holiday bowl got canceled. But it was like we had Houston-Auburn in the morning. That hey, was like 11 o'clock. Did you see that field, by the way? No, I did Padres not. Padres out of Petco. It looked, it looked nice. That's awesome. It looked nice. But yeah, we got the one on right now, which is on our TV. It's Air Force and Louisville. And then uh, a bunch of games just throughout the day. It's wonderful. I love bowl season. Alamo Bowl tomorrow night. My mm. uh, Alamo or Holiday are my personal favorite non-New Year's Six Bowl. Well, hopefully that does not mean that there's a bad trend coming. Yeah, I know. Because already half of that has been canceled. Uh, do you think the Heisman should be awarded at the end of bowl season? I used to think that they should. Um, because, because, like, the stats count, unlike other sports, like in the NFL, like postseason the MVP, stats don't yeah. count. MLB, postseason stats don't count. Um, NBA, postseason stats don't count, right? Like all these sports. Well, uh, I'm going to say yes, but I'm also going to say it's because I also think in in all sports, not just I mean, not just college, but the, at the pro level too. I also think um, things like like this is what I said when the when the Lakers won the won the world championship in the bubble, because um, I, I was talking about Eric Spolstra. I think that coach of the year voting should be done after the playoffs mm-hmm. and after the postseason. So, yeah, I would stick with that. Yeah, and, and, and well, where I was going with that in college, the postseason stats do count, unlike those other sports. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, even more so. But I would say that because, I mean, I, I believe at the pro and the college level that things like coach of the year 
MVP. That should include postseason performances. And yes, that would include. Uh, I would go. I would include the Heisman in those awards as well as, as awards that should be given after the postseason. And, and I definitely think. I, I don't know where I stand now because in years past, I've always thought that to be true. And like, for instance, although I don't know because this this might be a revisionist history, but it, and, it, and it almost stinks. Although we would actually technically still have a Heisman this year, then like I always think back to 2006 with Texas and USC. Oh, so, well, yeah, yeah. Uh, but but here's the thing. Reggie Bush is, like, widely renowned as one of the greatest college football running backs of all time. He should be. and Yeah, he should be. He was fantastic. But what's funny is that Vince Young is widely regarded as one of the greatest college football quarterbacks yeah. of all time. And I think if that award was given out at the end of bowl season, Vince Young probably wins it because yeah, of the momentum. He, and it, momentum. We're the, prisoners I mean, the of the fact moment. That, the fact that he it was his, it was on his shoulders, that he he's the one who ran in mm-hmm. the winning touchdown um and so part of me Reggie is like bush had that kind of funny even though his knee was technically down the the lateral that was questionable yeah. and so you know he had moments in that game but yeah vince young probably still would have won it um though i can't sit here and say that the wrong guy won i mean it was just an amazing no year. no i i don't think necessarily either i'm just saying like that would have changed that yeah. and looking back it's like but how can you not envision reggie bush as the heisman winner and it, it just kind of worked out that year, but then again, the Heisman would not be vacated. That's another Stupid. story. It shouldn't be. But but like for instance, I'm, I'm trying to think of another year. Um, Deshaun Watson, obviously, you know, um, off the field. What that about whole thing's a mess? But Jason, he, he would have won it. Jason White was it? No three, didn't he win it? He won it. Yeah. Um, now I will say this: they had already lost the game because the Heisman was given at the week after mm-hmm. K State uh, crushed OU in the uh, Big Twelve title game. So they had lost the game, but then they went on to lose the second game, that being to LSU in the national championship. And that was the year that um, I think that was Larry year Fitzgerald. USC sued and all that. Yeah. Did, did uh, Fitzgerald? But yeah, Larry Fitzgerald probably wins second. that award. He took second. Um, I, I don't know how Pitt did in their bowl game that year. I don't either, but he had. He had uh, 22 receiving touchdowns. He was a very good player. I mean, heck, maybe even then, Eli Manning was. You look at you look. At, what's funny is it's just as fun to look at years where this the Heisman was even more solidified by bull performances. And mm-hmm. I'm, Matt Leinard comes to mind in 04 um, when they just trucked yeah. OU in the in the national championship. It was like 55 to 19. Um, and then another one was even though it wasn't a BCS bowl. Uh, Baylor in the Alamo Bowl in 2011 with RG3, who just was amazing. Like 70 to like he was, 60 he or was something. Incredible uh, for Baylor, really that whole year. And he won the he won the Heisman, and it was just solidified. So it's fun. You can look at it both ways. It's, it's fun to explore the years where the Heisman would have changed if uh, you if you counted the bowl performances. But it's also fun to to look at the years where just their bowl performances further solidified their greatness and their deserving of the award. Yeah, and, and that would absolutely happen. Uh, so I would, again, like in years past, I've, I've kind of said that, but I'm, I'm almost wondering if now in an era where we have the college football playoff and specifically when it's going to expand even more, maybe this is just a conversation to say, well, you have to make the playoff to have a chance at winning the Heisman, and maybe that should matter because winning is important. And if you're on a winning team and you're doing well, that means you're an even better player. It's one thing to be a good player on a bad team. It's not leading to wins, right? Um, so maybe that should matter. But also, if we only give the Heisman after bowls and we have a 12-team playoff where certain teams are racking up an extra three or four games and other teams aren't getting that, like what if what if your team number 
what if you're ranked 10th? Like you had a great season, top 10, but just because you weren't a high enough, like uh, you didn't win your conference, you ranked 10th and, and teams who did win their conference jump you. So you don't make the playoff, but you're a top 10 team. You had a great season. And it's like, this guy's the clear-cut Heisman. He gets the one bowl game. Everybody thinks he's going to win the Heisman. And then all of a sudden, uh, some some quarterback gets two extra games. Yeah, he throws nine or, touchdowns, Or not right? just that. Let's say he gets three extra games. Mm -hmm. And he throws, you know, like, four, you know, he just goes off. He averages, like, four touchdowns. Like, they win their first round or their quarterfinal game, like, 56 to 10. And then he throws another four touchdowns in the semifinals. And then he goes, that's a good point. I will say it's probably more realistic to do an MVP slash coach of the year type thing in um, at the pro level because I can't think of a scenario because of how many teams make the, the playoffs in pro sports except for maybe baseball mm -hmm. in which, I mean, Shohei Otani won it this year, but uh, except for baseball and pro sports I can't think of a scenario in which a team with an MVP caliber player doesn't make the, the playoffs the Colts might miss it, we just talked about Jonathan Taylor but it's so, so rare for an MVP caliber mm -hmm. player in, in, in the NFL to miss the playoffs. Yeah, it really Same is. Same with the NBA. But it's, as long as you have a four-team playoff, that's going to be the case in, in college football. You're going to have Heisman caliber players miss the playoff. Yeah. So I, I think my verdict is I would actually be cool with it, but I'm not going to. It's not something that I need to pound on the table for. Would you separate coach of the year from Heisman and, and say one because, of, you know, because coach of the year – might include winning a national title? I would actually be fine. Well, like, would you want both to, would you want, see, all, just, would you want it all to be regular season or all to be postseason? I just would wouldn't okay want coach separating? of the year at that point to become an award where it's like, you can only win it if you win the national title, as opposed to like, what if you just have this great season where you make the quarterfinals and you get upset? Yeah. You know, what if, like, what if Iowa State would go 14 and 0? They get the one seed, but then they lose to they the bounce. eight seed or something. Yeah, that's you a good still point. probably deserve coach of the year yeah, for that, right? Point. So I don't know. I'd be fine with it either way, though. Uh, but before we go here, because Kevin Flaherty is going to join us in about five minutes here. Favorite New Year's Six Bowl location outside of the Rose Bowl? I'm guessing Rose. Well, I don't know. Is Rose Bowl number one for you? It I've is never for me. been to Pasadena. Okay. Um, it is with a bullet for I me. Mean, I mean, I I don't know that I've ever been to a. a place that hosts a New Year's Six Bowl, now that I think about it. Well, just like your favorite bowl game in general. It doesn't have to um, be a place. I probably the Cotton Bowl. I mean, I always have great memories of the Orange Bowl because of the 07-08 season, so maybe there. Um, but I don't know. The tradition behind the Cotton Bowl, it's 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 association with the Big 12, um, Things like that, I, I I like that one. I like long long standing bowls. I mean, the Rose Bowl would be up there too. Yeah, I, I love the Rose Bowl, and this will never happen. But I would I, I saw somebody uh, saying this on on Twitter. I can't remember who. National title should be at the Rose Bowl every year. That's the perfect solution. I, I'm telling you, Derek. Here's what's going to happen. Ku joins the Big Ten. Mm -hmm. They get it going. Lightbulb gets it going. Gets Ku into the Rose Bowl. And they release new shirts. And you know how all the players, when they get invited to the Rose Bowl, are biting the, the rose stem yep. with their teeth. They're gonna KU's gonna release shirts with the Jayhawk biting the rose stem for KU's appearance in the Rose Bowl. Bank I, on it. I would be so happy. I love the Rose Bowl. It's so much fun, beautiful environment. Tailgating's awesome. It's on a golf course. It's fantastic. Um and my dream has always been KU playing in a Rose Bowl, but I, 
that's just unless they join the Big Ten. But now that might be a little more above possibility. So that would be the most important reason to join the Big Ten. If you're listening, Travis Goff, Big Ten, anybody, do it for the Rose Bowl. With Adam Dravetta, I'm Derek Johnson. Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports joins us next. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. Bowl season continues on. Coming up in just three days, the college football playoff. Uh, the closer we get without hearing uh, a COVID outbreak on one of the teams, the better off we are going to be. And that would be really sick because we've already seen all these bowl games canceled. That would be just would suck if all, any of the playoff games got canceled. You got to wonder if like ESPN or somebody's just paying these teams to just rent out like three entire floors of a hotel completely to themselves just so they can isolate. Well, we talk now with Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports. Uh, Kevin, we're also wrapping up the end of the 2021 calendar year. Do you have a favorite game or a favorite story, uh, just something from this season in, in college football that uh, I guess if it's the 2021 calendar year, it could stretch back to the playoff last year, the FCS season or something. But do you have a favorite game or story from this year? You know, I, I, I'm going to keep it local because I, I feel like so much of name, image, and likeness has turned out to be uh, kind of what we all maybe thought it would be, which is, you know, companies or, or you know, boosters or, or whatever else, you know, shelling out money to guys, you know, who are either top recruits or, or top players, you know, Quinn Ewers at, you know, heads to Ohio State, allegedly gets, you know, a seven-figure deal, and, and now he's back at Texas, you know, without ever playing a game. You know, Bryce Young hadn't even earned a start yet at Alabama before uh, before he winds up getting a, an alleged, you know, seven-figure deal. And, and so when you look at all, all of that, I think that that's where a lot of us thought maybe it would go. But um, I, I think where we hoped it would go – was someone like Jared Casey, you know, who who has that moment. And I think really when you look at this college football season, and obviously, you know, we all follow Kansas to a larger extent than, than other people do, but I really do think it's one of the best moments of the college football season where you have this guy who, you know, is a freshman walk-on, you know, obviously doesn't maybe meet the – the physical, you know, dimensions of what uh, uh, of what you would typically see from a, a Division One, you know, fullback tight end gets pressed into service because of injuries and, and winds up making, you know, just this monstrous play and making a huge catch to to knock off Texas. Winds up getting, you know, the the name, image, and likeness deal with with Applebee's and, and you know the whole go for two thing, which was so appropriate given that, you know, if you're familiar with with Plainville and where it's at and where he's from, you know, a trip to Applebee's is is an hour down the road. Like that's that's a nice Friday night is getting your family together and driving that hour down to Hayes where there is an Applebee's and and having that there. And I, I thought that just that whole thing was such a great feel-good story, but also kind of represented what I think a lot of us hoped name, image, and likeness would be, too, is, you know, some of these guys who maybe aren't household names, 
before their moments happen, it's their chance to maybe get a little something extra and, and get a little more publicity and, and all the different things that go with that as well. All right, what about switching over to college basketball? Um, what's been your favorite story from this year? And again, this kind of stretches back from just the whole year of 2021. You have the end of last season. You have March Madness. You have the beginning of this year. What's been your favorite story on the uh, hoops front? You know, my, my favorite story on the hoops front was Andrew Jones. And the fact that we had, you know, the year before we had him coming back from leukemia and becoming a, you know, a power five basketball player, which it is a lot, you know, to, to be able to do that. But to see him succeed last year, the way that, that we saw him succeed, to see him hit game-winning shots and, you know, score as much as he did and actually become, you know, not just, hey, this guy on our bench beat leukemia, that's so great. But for him to get back to the level where you kind of, I don't want to say forgot because you never forget, but you started thinking about him primarily as a basketball player again and not as somebody who had had those circumstances. And so I think that was was probably my favorite story there. You know, a lot of people um, around Lawrence probably aren't too happy with the way last season worked out with Baylor winning the title, et cetera. I, I do think... It was so fascinating, Derek, because I think in addition to that Baylor team being really good and really, really tough, but they were maybe uniquely qualified to win an NCAA tournament in the way that last year's NCAA tournament was set up. You know, with the quarantine, with the not full arenas, with all of those things, you can only imagine, you know, sort of the mental health grind that those teams were, were under at the end of the tournament, having been there for as long as they were. They weren't coming back to campus to get kind of the juice between every two rounds that you usually get and and all of those different things. And I think, you know, that's something that doesn't get talked about but was kind of maybe a, a triumph for for Baylor, for, for the way that they do things and all of that was – the fact that they were able to make it through all of those obstacles and really, you know, play their best basketball at year's end when it would have been very, very easy to, to kind of fall off along the line with the way the NCAA tournament went. We're talking with Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports here. So the college football playoff is three days away to finish out this 2021 year, and maybe we'll have a, a new cool story coming from that. Uh, starting with the Alabama-Cincinnati game, how on earth, Kevin, does this group of, of plucky underdogs in Alabama, how do they pull the upset off? <laughs> you know, one of the best things in the world, and I, I know you get a kick out of this too, Derek, is, you know, whenever all these teams that, that wind up being preseason favorites and, and everything else, they start pulling out the, well, everybody doubted us mm. card. And, and maybe people did doubt Alabama in reference it specifically measured against Georgia, but let's be real here. I mean, it's nowhere near at the level of what we saw with Cincinnati and with Cincinnati going undefeated and, and still kind of needing things to break right in order to, to get to the college football playoff in the first place, Alabama still winds up being the number one overall seed. And so it's tough to be in that spot and still try to convince people that, hey, everybody's overlooking us. And so, you know, Alabama's a really good football team. And you saw them 
you know, kind of take advantage of uh, of some things that maybe other teams hadn't been able to against Georgia. I, I think the really interesting thing is going to be, I, I think Alabama probably, you know, winds up beating Cincinnati. I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. I think the really interesting thing will be whether Michigan can exploit some of the same issues against Georgia. And one of the things that, that makes that game so interesting is the fact that while I don't think any of us would would argue that Georgia is the more would argue against Georgia being the more talented team in that game, Georgia wins a lot of games up front and a lot of games based on physicality. And that's kind of where Michigan's bread is buttered too. And Michigan is a really tough, hard nosed physical team. And so while Georgia would maybe romp over a lot of those teams when you're talking, you know, five, six, seven, eight in the country because they just can't match up up front, Michigan may be one of the few teams that's able to do something up front and make that a game. Okay, so I I remember having this conversation, I don't know, if not last year, definitely the year before as well, about the idea that if you were picking the national champion right now with four teams left, that, and I forget who it was a couple years ago, um, but that the one seed just has a, a better path to the title, which is the case for Alabama, that you would just, in this situation, almost pick Alabama just betting-wise because of the fact that you feel more confident they'll be in the national title game to have that chance, Um, whereas Georgia and Michigan, you could convince me either one beats Alabama head-to-head, but you don't even know if they're going to get there to begin with. Uh, Would would you go with, if I asked you who's going to win the title right now, would you just go with Alabama for that safety side of things, or would you pick one of Georgia and Michigan? You know, it's always a fascinating argument, and I I agree 100% with you. It's one of the ways that I think that, you know, you wind up looking at NCAA tournament stuff, too, is you start looking at, okay, you know, who could beat this number one seed, and you say, well, this team could maybe get them in the Elite Eight, but then you start looking at it and say, well, what what are the real chances that they even get there? And, and so I, I think that in that situation – you know, if if somebody were to say, hey, you know, you can bet Alabama versus the combination of Georgia and Michigan, maybe you pick Georgia-Michigan. But if you're picking one team, I, I think you have to give Alabama the best odds at this point simply because Alabama doesn't have to play the other and then play, you know, one of those schools. And so I, I still think you go with Alabama for the safety there, but I, I'm right there with you in that, I think there's a very real chance that in the second, you know, in that championship game, that either one of those teams is capable of pulling off that win. Kevin, uh, if Cincinnati pulls it off in, in their semifinal over Alabama, is it just forever going to be the college football equivalent of Team USA over the Soviets? Or is there any possibility that five years down the road, we're looking at some of these NFL, or Cincinnati players in the NFL going, you know, it actually kind of makes sense now that they beat Alabama. Or is it just forever going to live on as just this remarkable upset? You know, it's probably a little from column A and a little from column B. And I know that's that's maybe cheating. But, you know, when you, when you look at, for instance, like the 2007 Kansas team, I think most people look at that and they're like, man, what a fluky season. Look at all the different things that happened. 
look at the easy schedule, you know, the the upset like that, that probably wouldn't happen again. And yet, you know, you ask some of those same people about KU's ability to match up with certain teams. And it's like, well, they had two Pro Bowl corners. They had a, a safety in Daryl Stuckey who reached the Pro Bowl, I think, as, as a special teams guy. So how many teams out there really had three Pro Bowl guys in their secondary? You know, going through a, a league that, that was running a lot of spread at the time. And, and so I, I do think that there's, there's a chance that, yes, we would look at it and forever just be stunned by it. You know, kind of like when when Alabama was upset by, uh, by was it Utah that one year, I think? Uh, yes, in the, the Sugar Bowl, I want to say. Yeah, yeah. And like, like Brian Trey, Johnson. Yeah, and like Trey Smith missed that game, or, or uh, not Trey Smith, the the big offensive tackle for Alabama. But yeah, they there were some guys out, and you know Utah was probably more talented than we were giving them credit for. But that's not the way it's remembered. It's remembered as as a giant upset, and so when you go back and and look at it, I do think that there's a very real chance that we look at some of those Cincinnati guys, especially on defense, and it's like, well, it makes sense that Cincinnati had a really freaking good team when they had these NFL guys who were who are now starting at the next level, and still say that's you know that's something that just nobody ever saw coming. Who do you think over the last couple of decades, if you had to pick one team to represent the, I guess, group of five or the non-power leagues, would it be the Cincinnati team? Would it be one of those Utah teams? Would it be one of the Boise State teams? Uh, I guess where do you think this Cincinnati team is on the pantheon of, of top non-power five teams over the last couple of decades? I think they're up there. Um, uh, the UCF team is one that, that jumps out to me because that team could really run. You know, they were a team that a lot of times when you see, you know, these uh, group of five teams make it to this level, you know, they aren't as athletic. They're missing a little something here and there. You know, it, it, it wasn't a group of five thing, but one of the things that one of the KU coaches on the 07 team told me was they won the Orange Bowl, you know, in warm-ups. And, the, you know, he, what he was talking about was Virginia Tech was running around with all these NFL-looking guys, you know, and looking great on the hoof. And, you know, you had Cam Chancellor running around out there and all of those different guys. They looked over at KU and basically said, man, these guys don't look like we do. And Kansas jumps out to the, to the big lead, perhaps, maybe because Virginia Tech was, was overlooking them a little bit. And I think... When you look at Cincinnati, especially defensively, when you look at that UCF team, they weren't teams that some of the better teams in the nation would look at and say that team looks different than we do. I, I think that it, they actually match up fairly well physically. You know, I thought BYU last year was really, really good despite the loss to, to Coastal. I thought that was a, a game if Coastal were to play BYU, you know, Ten times, BYU would probably win seven. It just didn't happen to be that day. But I do think that when you look at, at the very best of those group of five teams over the last 10 or 15 years, I think Cincinnati the last couple of years and, and then UCF this year really stand out. All right, we're talking with Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports here 
on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Kevin, before we let you go, as is tradition, as always, one last thing with Adam. All right, Kevin, one last thing. Uh, New Era, Cheez-It, and Valero are the sponsors of tomorrow's three bowl games. If you could have a year's supply of either their products or services, who would you choose? That's tough because New Era, I'm not a huge, you know, cap guy, but at the same time, you know, the ability to, to have as many hats, I guess, as you want or a, a year's supply would be pretty tempting. But I, I'm a cheese it addict. You know, I don't really care who knows it. Um, when you go on road trips, you know, as I do to, to go around the state and look at the state's top high school football players, a lot of times you're getting out of a game, you know, in a different part of Kansas at, at 9 or 9.30 at night. You have a drive ahead of you, and and you got to pull in to get some snacks to, to get you through it. And, and I'm not going to lie, Cheez-Its are, are one of my go-tos. And so you might be able I, to I would buy, probably have to say Cheez-Its. You could buy, I'll, I'll, I'll maybe help you here. You can buy a lot of Cheez-Its with free Valero for a year, plus gas up your car. That's the, true. the problem is that's, you don't know if you're going to be in a town with one. Yeah, and I think that's that's one of the problems. I don't run into a ton of Valeros, honestly. Mm. Have you ever had the white cheddar Cheez-Its? I have. I, I'm an original person, mm. but the white cheddar ones are pretty good. Tabasco uh, for me. Hmm. Ooh. Yeah, I haven't had the Tabasco ones, but I, I am a Cheez-It fan, and uh, and Cheez-Its are one of the few products there that actually you know get me through daily life. So <laughs> I, I think I would go through Cheez-Its. Well, there we go. Kevin Flaherty, uh, big supporter of the Cheez-It Bowl with uh, Adam Brevetta. I'm Derek Johnson. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us today, as always, man. And uh, happy holidays or happy new year. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. All right. That was Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports with Adam Brevetta. I'm Derek Johnson. This is RCST on KLWN. KLWN KLWN.com. Depend on it.